Learn, experiment, achieve, and take off. We're anthropologists and social scientists who put leaders under the microscope. We are your eyes and ears to dig up the most valuable insights for success to help make you and your business better. We give you the tools to lead your future and help build leaders we all want to look up to. So, rise to your potential. Launch. Welcome. I'm Rebecca Bennett, your host. I'm going to let our guest introduce herself, the startup marketing guru, Megan Brain. I'm a five-time award-winning entrepreneur. I built a business that was an industry darling. It won five uh, industry awards. It was in over 100 publications, but I would not give up control of anything. And consequently, I burned out. I closed that business and I walked away and I found my real passion was teaching other entrepreneurs, especially when it came to marketing. I love value-based marketing initiatives. I could talk about it for hours on end if you gave me the chance. And my big passion and my business is about helping other entrepreneurs who are either in the startup phase of their business or are also growing it, create value-based marketing initiatives that keep their businesses top of mind. Welcome back to the Launch Podcast, everyone. Today, I have a spectacular role model with us, Megan Brain. She's with us to talk today about how to make money on your own without an employer. Meaning, if you want to start your own business during these COVID-19 times, which I know many of us are thinking about or already starting on, how do you go about doing that and then marketing that out to the world? So I brought Megan on board to share with us her insights and thoughts related to that. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Of course. Thanks for, for coming on. Marketing is getting harder and harder, uh, more so than ever, because the internet is just so saturated right now with so many people that are trying to sell you something, whether it's a product or themselves. It's, it's hard to get yourself out there. And so what I want to do is talk about if you're starting to think about starting a business, what are some ways, if you're going to start from the very beginning, from scratch, mm -hmm. what should we be thinking about when we're building this business and in terms of marketing? I think that first, a lot of people get intimidated by that thought of there's already someone doing what I want to do, or there's, it's a saturated market. You know, what's, what role do I have in it? And I think that that is just a behavior that is, um, I, I understand it, but it's incredibly unfounded because the beauty of being an entrepreneur is that no one is doing it the way you are no one has your voice. And so when you're starting a business, those fears are totally natural, but I wouldn't let them hinder whatever it is you want to do. First, the first step is going for it and just saying like, you know, putting your stake in the ground saying, I am going to be a coach. I'm going to open this business. I'm going to release this product. Like I'm going to do it. And once you make that assertion, then all the other stuff starts to, then we have to work on the other stuff, right? So once you've decided that there is a place for me in this world, in this market, the social media, whatever, then you start thinking about who you're selling to and no one makes money without somebody else. Right. <laughs> oh, yes. 
you, the, the key is doing the hard homework first and figuring out who your ideal avatar is. And I just liken that to creating an imaginary friend. <laughs> you know, give them a name, say what they look like, say what their hopes and their dreams are, the thing that keeps them awake at night, look at their demographics, start drafting that out, you know, their age range, the where they live in the world, what magazines do they read? What websites do they go on? The more you flesh out this imaginary friend and turn it into it, a complete avatar, the more advantage that you're going to have from, especially from people who don't do this work, especially in the beginning, it's a lot of hard homework to do because you have to really dig deep and figure out who the person is you want to sell to, what your advantages are and what your weaknesses are, how you can use that to your advantage. It, we can go more into that, but essentially it's a lot of, it's a lot of journaling. It's a lot of homework and a lot of people avoid doing it to their detriment. So if you are a, a studious person or you're not, you should definitely become a studious person and do this work ahead of time because it gets you so much further ahead in this saturated marketplace, no matter what the marketplace is. The more work that you do, what I call front loading, the more work you do ahead of time, the better off you're going to be to hit the ground running. That's a, that's a great piece of advice. I'm curious though, so so we mentioned like you, you put your stake in the ground, you assert that you're gonna, there is a place for you in the world and you have to start creating that avatar of your ideal customer or audience, what are some tried and true ways from your experience of how to go about figuring out who your customer is? There are two ways to go about it, and I recommend that people do it in congruence. One is just brainstorming who you think you'd want to sell to. So is it someone like you or is it someone completely unlike you? And there are obviously pros and cons to both of that. Having them be similar to you means you will have an understanding of them much faster, but having them unlike you means that you're going to open up a whole new world. So once you decide that, then you start thinking about what am I? What do I like? And you start thinking about that. But if they're not like you, then you start looking in the marketplace and seeing who are the top people here? Like who are the who are the big wigs in this industry and start looking at their social profiles. Start to see if you see one, if, <laughs> if all the social profiles that follow them are fake, but if they're not fake, start looking at what, what commonalities you start seeing. So are they all um, Caucasian women? Are they all millennials? Are they all um, showing off Louis Vuitton? Like, are they, what, what can you start picking out that you notice are commonalities in these competitors followers, because those are going to start being your people too. And so you're going to have to start figuring out who they are and how to talk to them. So talking to a baby boomer is much different than talking to a Gen Z or, you know, there's a completely different language and a pattern of sales funnels essentially, but the more you start to realize the segment of who your competitors are marketing to, then you start to 
notice their weaknesses and notice what they're missing that they might have a blind spot about, but also where you can find an advantage, especially if you are going to plan to market to those same people who are unlike you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like it's it's once you define kind of your broad customer from formulating, just formulating your thoughts, I, I mm-hmm. think you're right. In order to really know your customer, you have to go out into the marketplace and, and talk to them and find out who they are. And I think you're right. A great starting point is to look at where like other people's customers like look at their right. followers look at their their customer list posted on their websites if you're b2b um and you'll start to see oh these are their customers okay maybe i want a customer like that and then figuring out okay maybe like it but not totally that customer what can what do i want that's different from that because they're already taken mm-hmm. um but it's okay even if they're taking because you can you can take them back. <laughs> right. If it's B2B, like start figuring out, okay, why is why is GE working with these people? Like what what advantage does my competitor have that they have this client? Just figure out the why behind mm-hmm. that, and then it's gonna be a huge advantage for you. So even if you wanna go and steal their clients, you can say like, I know that. Rebecca does ABCD for you, but I can do EFGH. So, you know, like it, it starts giving you some insight, even if you don't directly pitch them, but just start giving you some insight on what the capabilities are of your competitor and where your unfair advantage might be in that marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you also mentioned um, kind of like what are the important criteria that customers are looking for when doing business and to discover what those criteria are. um, Tell me the importance of like customer interviews and like doing surveys, where can that get you? So I think that it is absolutely critical that you do not make assumptions about your customer base. I have been guilty of that in my first business where I was like, I, I know what they want. And I had launches that were crickets, you know? So it, it's incredibly important that you have an, a conversation with your customers, even before you launch, you know, it's, it's to your advantage to become an authority, even before you have a product or service to sell. And the way you do that is by going out into the community and engaging. You know, one thing I always recommend to my clients is go on Reddit, go on the subreddits where your people are and have a presence there, not to sell, but to become an engaged part of that community. And that's how you start, even if you're not having a direct conversation with someone, that's how you start getting intel on where you can find an in in this marketplace. So if you want to do traditional customer surveys and things like that, it's very hard in the beginning because you don't have a standing that people are going to trust giving you information. So if you're starting completely from scratch and you don't have this trust in the community yet, it's to your advantage to start participating in that community, wherever that is. And so that's why I always recommend Reddit because it's just so big. There's so many different um, avenues and subreddits there you can usually find some sort of community that will be your customer base. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm willing to, to have that conversation and share with you um, about themselves. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great, great point to make sure you establish yourself as that expert and create a platform to stand on 
Um, so people can see you above the crowd and then they'll look to you and, and engage with you. Uh, that's a really great point. Um, I think that one person that has done that so well, and I say that begrudgingly, is <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, the author of Twilight. Oh. How, she, how she started was, I don't know why I know this even. I've never read her books, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, no, no offense to any of your listeners who are into that. <laughs> She, she clearly has a base and she had a base because she was a participant in a, a fanfic forum of, I, I don't even remember what it was, but she was in like a writing forum and she had participated in that community for years before she ever wrote anything on her own. And then she said, Hey, I have this short story about vampires or whatever it was about. And it was that community that got her published. It wasn't her starting with Twilight and then going out. She had become such a pillar from that community that it was an easy in for her to create, to become this author, this New York Times bestselling author, this, you know, media mogul and role model for authors and things. So uh, it's to your advantage to be in the space where your customers are, even if you're not ready to sell to them. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really fascinating and great example of how important it is to start with your customer rather than with a product or something already in mind. Because <laughs> usually that, usually it's, our, it's based on your assumptions when you're like, oh, I have this fabulous idea but it's from your ideas. It's not necessarily from the community. So I think it's important to be able to have your fingers entangled in the community to draw in certain insights. And, and this can take some time. I know doing the product uh, customer product fit discovery phase for my business, it, it took uh, well over six months to figure, figure it out. So I think patience here is a key value. Um, but then also, you want to be sure you reach out to enough customers to know that, hey, I see a trend here. This is not just right. like one or two people um, that are just saying this or just myself and one other person. <laughs> <saying this. laughs> um, is there like a, would you recommend, is there like at least a minimum number of customers people should talk to before they start to solidify those assumptions? That's a really good question. I think it depends on how large your demographic is and how the answer that I have in my head is that it's not really about the quantity. It's about the level of engagement. So if you have, you know, it's like Instagram, if you have a million followers, but only eight people commenting, then you don't have an engaged following. You have a list of people. If you have a 2000 followers and 75% of those are engaging with you, then you have a rock hard ride or die fan base. So I, I don't want to say like you should find 500 people and that will be your base. Like I, I think instead what you should do is find those people who are super into whatever you are going to launch or have launched like in a, a categorical sense mm -hmm. and cultivate that following so that word of mouth is always going to be the best marketer for you. And it's always going to be the cheapest marketer for you. So if you have a 
really hardcore fan base of 100 people, 750 people, you know, whatever, as long as you're able to engage with them in a organic way, then those are the people that are going to sell for you. So don't, don't worry about the number exactly. Worry about how many people you can engage with or you know, your employees or whomever, your community manager or things like that. The best way to get started in any kind of industry that you want to be seen as, you know, you want to be top of mind and you're the only one top of mind is that you have to engage that community and you have to be the one that is top of mind. How do you do that? By having conversations with them and by engaging them. It also brings to mind what you mentioned, um, finding those people that are engaged with your, with you initially to have them kind of sell for you. I think the word for that are like champions. If yeah, yeah. Right. Having, having the people who are so excited about you and your product and what you have to say to leverage that, to help you in reaching the next, um, the next people down your, your customer pipeline or funnel, I think is really, is really key because, um, that really, you're right. It drives the word of mouth marketing. If people are excited to talk about your product, the champions are the ones that you are going to be excited about your product. So find your champions first before any other customer. So I think, yeah, that's a really great point. They're going to be the cheapest advertising platform you have because they'll, sh they'll, they'll sell your things. They'll share your things. They are, they are worth the effort. Uh-huh. So speaking on the contrary of cheap advertising, <laughs> like, so let's say you have your brand established, you have your customer mark, your market product fit, um, all of that. Let's talk about, you put a, together a marketing strategy and plan, but you, you want to move forward into paid social marketing media campaigns. I know this is a big step for a lot of people to get into this. So let's, let's dive in first with this question. Where, where should people start with this? How should they be thinking about uh, paid social media? They should not be afraid of it. Uh, I think that, you know, the, the Goliath of it is Facebook ads and, you know, that consequently is Instagram ads too. And, what you need to think about first is where are your customers? Are they on Facebook or Instagram in the first place? Or are they on LinkedIn? You know, those are completely different advertising strategies. So first be where your customers are. Then once you realize, okay, just for the sake of simplicity, my customers are on Facebook and Instagram. And so that's where I want to go. If you don't have a good established customer base yet, it is totally fine to start with an awareness, an awareness campaign. And all that is, is about just <laughs> throwing money at getting your name out there. And so, yes, you should have a call to action, but it's more about getting people aware of your brand, hence the awareness name behind it, and not really thinking about conversions. The conversions come in the remarketing and the moving them further down the funnel, but there's nothing wrong with throwing five bucks a day at an awareness campaign to test and see how it's working for you. Gotcha. Don't feel like you have to put hundreds of thousands of dollars into something that you've never tried before. Start small, 
so that you understand the platform. And the same goes with LinkedIn ads, YouTube, Twitter, you know, any kind of social media selling. Start really small so that not only blow your budget, but that you have an understanding of it. And I recommend people always do that first before even bringing on an ad specialist because you need to understand the way your funnel is going to work in this kind of ecosystem. And by starting small, by throwing five, 15, 30 bucks a day, depending on your customer base and your products, you develop an awareness that is going to save you a lot of money in the long run. In order to get a customer, you have to give first. So it's, it's doing, you have to give in order to get. <laughs> yeah. So giving your offering value, free value upfront to create that awareness, um, whether it's your expertise or it's a free download or uh, there's, I don't know, lots of things that you can possibly think of. Um, I think it's, that's important to, to get people into, into the door through that first uh, stage of your funnel. Um, and I, I think we kind of already kicked off the conversation on, on funnel stages. So why don't, we, why don't we continue down that road and talk about what are the different stages of a funnel that, that um, our audience should be thinking about when advertising and marketing, what are the different goals and objectives of each one and maybe some strategies uh, within each of those. Absolutely. So uh, that's a really broad question because so many different industries have different levels, but in a general sense, you have your awareness where they're just at the top of the funnel. So it's who you are, what you do, what you do for them. That's the first phase of it. You start to pique their interest. And if you are a personal brand, then that it, it, it runs a little bit differently because your face has to be on it more. But if you are doing a funnel for a product or a service that doesn't necessarily tied to you, then you don't really have to focus that much on that. Just a little fun fact, because I, I know a lot of people get bogged down in the details of that. So what you should be thinking about in the top of the funnel is awareness, just getting your name out there. If they go to your website and get a lead magnet, then that is fantastic. Fantastic. That means you have, you are doing amazing work, but that awareness does not mean selling yet. Once you get them through the awareness phase, they've seen your ad maybe five to seven times, or they have engaged with your brand somehow. Then they move into the next phase, which is the remarketing. That's where you really start putting them into a separate sales funnel. So They've downloaded your workbook or your guide, your white paper, whatever. Now they're moving into a separate phase of no like and trust. So they're in the no, now they're going into the like. And then you have to kind of put that middle part into a side funnel of really just going hard on giving them extra value, giving them knowledge, finding ways to empower them to utilize your brand and it's i, I want to say it's like a wink wink kind of selling but it, it's not in a gross way it's in a i am going to be giving you all of this but you know something's coming down the line where we're gonna start having a we're gonna start having a relationship right. and if they sell if they buy in this phase 
then you have an amazing champion of your brand because it has taken little to no effort. Maybe it's taken you two phases of a funnel. So maybe like your cost for them has been, if you're starting small, like let's say your cost for them has been like 30 bucks. If they don't buy yet, but they're still engaging with you and they're still interested, you haven't lost them yet and you move them down into just the hot lead funnel. And that is the one-on-one -on -one engagement. And this is especially good for if you have a high value product or service. So like one-on-one -on -one coaching, um, you know, thousands level product service. This is where you move them into the, I want to have a conversation with Rebecca. I want to talk to you. How can I help you? And that's the most expensive phase but also the one that can get you the biggest return on ad spend. So the funnel in social selling right now is not just the direct, you know, inverted pyramid. It's more of a starts in the, starts in the big part of the pyramid, kind of a nebulous middle where they move through different funnels and then they get down to that point and that's where you have the highest ticket items. But just because you have those high ticket items doesn't mean this nebulous part isn't important because this is where the small selling is and this is where they get used to you selling to them and used to buying from you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. does that make sense like they get used to saying yes in this phase and this is that's why i always think the remarketing phase is actually the most important because it starts developing a habit with them of saying yes to you in a transactional way oh okay that's that's a really interesting insight of of just trying to find ways to get your customer to say yes by starting small, getting your foot in the door, and then off having bigger and bigger requests as you go. And then by the time the big money item comes around, they're like, they'll be in the habit of saying yes. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't want to go right from, hi, I'm Megan, to my coaching, my one-on-one -on -one coaching is you know, $10,000. Then they're like, wait, wait, who, what, what are you talking about? Why is your hair purple? What's happening? I don't understand. <laughs> By the way, Megan's hair is purple. <laughs> My hair is purple. <laughs> and it, so it's all about instead of having a conversation about I'm Megan, I do ABCD and I do that for you. Here's why. And fun facts for your listeners. Like yeah the easiest way to sell something is this is X and it lets you do Y. And the meat of that is X. So you can, those three words are clutch in any kind of funnel. So coaching, so you can blah mm -hmm. AI. So you can blah like it, that phrase. So you can is so key and so important. And I don't see it enough in startups. I feel like it makes very costly mistakes. It's a simple phrase, but it does so much for advertising and for marketing. Mm -hmm. So now we're kind of midway through the tunnel. I mean, the tunnel through the funnel, <laughs> although it could be a tunnel because sure. if you don't see the light <laughs> at the end, it's all dark and murky. You're trying to find your way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, maybe that it could be a tunnel at first, but you'll get clarity eventually as you the tunnel keep, funnel, the tunnel funnel, as you keep conversing <laughs> with your customers. Um, so what happens when you get these leads that inevitably get stuck in the middle and you don't see them 
continuing to say yes? What do you do with them? Do you continue spending your efforts or when do you know, is it time to let go? I think that depends on where they are in your funnel and how much, so what I'm trying to get at is, is it a macro problem or a micro problem? Is it you're not targeting the right people or is it that you're not saying something right in the funnel? So if it's the macro, you're not targeting the right people, then that's going back to the drawing board and figuring out either, are you changing your product, your service, or are you changing your demographic? And that's a bigger question that has to be answered. Usually with a business coach, sometimes with a therapist, because it, it really depends on what is this block that's in your head that is preventing you from finding your people and finding your customer base. Now, if it's a micro of you're not saying the right things or you're not taking them through the right ladder of buying, you know, those can all be tweaked. But if it's a lot of people stopping at a particular phase, then you know, you know that it's a bigger question that has to be solved. But if it's kind of like, well, I'm getting some sales, but I'm not getting as many, then that's the micro level. I don't think you should ever give up and let them go unless it is burning you out. So if it's, you're, you're realizing that, oh my God, I'm, I'm not giving the right product or service to these people, or these aren't the people that I should be serving, then you have to decide like, is the work, is the work worth the effort to do that? Or is it something I need to scrap and start over again? Because in most cases of funnel blockages, there are fixes and there are solutions. It just becomes whether it's worth your time and your investment. And if it is, how much of that time and investment are you going to serve? Are you going to spend serving these people when you already have, hopefully you already have a customer base of people who have bought from you? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we talked about the awareness stage in the funnel. What, what, what's the next stage after that? That would be like the nebulous remarketing stage. Remarketing. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. And then, so, okay. Then we talked about the remarketing what would be after the remarketing stage? That would be the hot leads and the, that is the big ticket items. So you have presumably in the remarketing phase, you have used ladder selling. So small product, slightly bigger, slightly bigger. You've gotten them into the habit of saying yes. And that's when they move into the hot phase. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. And then is there something after the hot phase? Then after that, honestly, it's about re-engaging them constantly. So you put them back into the remarketing phase and they have this high ticket item from you. They have become just this huge champion of your brand that doesn't stop the selling relationship. You should always think of ways to re-engage those people because just because they make the sale doesn't mean that's the end of your relationship. But you have to think about it not in a way of, oh, I'm going to make more money off these people. It's more about, <laughs> I have different ways to serve them. And once you change that mindset of transactional into value, then you, you get to re-see it as, I can help this customer demographic or just this individual customer. Like, I can help them so much more. Here are all the cool ways I've thought to help them, whether it's a product or a service or whatever. 
and then you get them back into that ladder. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So that's a really interesting um, overview of the entire funnel, a customer funnel and each stage is, is just so important to really focus on the goal of each stage and not jump from stage one to stage two, like here, bye now. <laughs> and I, I wish that was that easy, but especially now that so many people are used to like, all right, what, what are you trying to sell me? What is it like you have to break down that wall and say, it's not about me selling to you. It's about us having a relationship that moves you forward. Like mm -hmm. I am here to serve you. And however I'm doing that as product or service, once you have that mindset, that in, it's a relationship. It takes time. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not Tinder. It's, you know, it's <laughs> e harmony or whatever they are. Like uh -huh. it, it's, it's the long goal and the long goal is the most profitable. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great metaphor using Tinder too. Are you really looking for one-stop transaction or are you looking for a long time relationship with a customer you can continue to provide value for and they can continue to receive value? Um, I'm interested to know if there's any kind of specific tools uh, or even hacks on the tools that you know about that you want to share with us that can help uh, new business owners uh, get started in their marketing journey. Well, I think that one thing that I'm a huge component of is automation. I love automation. I think that it's brilliant. It saves everybody so much time but my automation tools are more for the marketing phase. And to me, that's the most important, especially if you have high ticket items, like high ticket items are going to require a lot more time and effort on a one-on-one -on -one level. But in the awareness phase, automation is so important. So I love Planoly for Instagram marketing. I love Tailwind for Pinterest marketing. I think that Pinterest is way overlooked and shouldn't be. It is a, the third largest search engine behind YouTube and Google, Google number one, obviously, but it is a huge driver of traffic into funnels and should absolutely be invested in for any kind of service-based industry, even product too, but service especially. If you have value-based posts, blog posts, or any kind of value-based freebie, it is worth the effort to invest in Tailwind or just even time in Pinterest. Um, I love going to conferences that help promote that engagement and promote the thinking about utilizing social media as a funnel. So social media marketing world, or they just released um, Instagram marketing world. It's all from social media examiner. Um, the knowledge there is well worth its weight in gold. As for selling tools, you need a CRM. I right now am trying one called Automizee, which is an email marketing and CRM system. Um, I can't recommend it yet because I'm still kind of in the testing phase, but any kind of CRM that tags your customer through their journey is absolutely essential. Uh, you can even use something like ConvertKit, which is just a, an email marketing system that uses tags. And I believe it merges with, um, integrates with Salesforce and Infusionsoft, I think, or maybe they're separate. But the, the key part is find something that's going to work with your business that will track your customer's journey, because not only will that be important when it comes to advertising, 
but it's also going to be important when it comes to building building a relationship, but also building a cache of products and services that you can sell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Those are some great suggestions there. Um, so I have one last question for you. Let's say that you have your business, it's up and running, and let's say you're doing okay. But we all know we can't be the chief marketing officer forever <laughs> um, because the business will pull us in many different directions and we need to kind of prioritize where, where you're going to spend your time, where, where you're best at. And let's say it's, it's not necessarily marketing. Uh, I want to know at what point as a business owner do you uh, kind of hire out? Do you, can you hire out someone, say, from the Philippines or or should you use an agency or should you still do it yourself? When is that, when is that moment? I think honestly, as as early as you can, because the more that you can accept that this is not your strength and it needs to go to someone who is dedicated to that, even if you feel like you are a really good marketer, you have an advantage, but your job is to be running the business and not being in the business. So the more time that you can spend towards product development, growth, um, strategic partnerships, things like that, then the better. Now, that doesn't mean you should start without knowing who your customers are. So once you have the understanding of, I know this customer base intimately, they know me, we have a relationship, then you can send that off to other people who can handle it. And then you have that relationship of, I've run Facebook ads on awareness. I know what's working in this funnel. I understand, like we have this list of customers and leads. Here are all these tags. We know which funnels are working. Here are the strengths and weaknesses of the business. The more you have an understanding, the better, but you shouldn't hold on to doing all of that because you're afraid to spend money. What you can do, you know, can you hire some from, someone from the Philippines? Absolutely. But you need to make sure that you get, are giving them all of the right tools they have to succeed. You cannot just throw the marketing, social media marketing, funnels, whatever, email marketing. You can't throw that at somebody and not give them the toolkit that they're going to need to succeed because then it's going to take more time for you to micromanage to dig yourselves back out of that and it's going to be a poor employee experience for them mm-hmm. should you hire somebody more advanced i think so i think in my experience the more that you can trust someone to do the job that you want them to do the better and Unfortunately, you know, hiring a lower VA usually is just more of a task thing that takes some tasks off your plate. But if you want to hire an agency or a CMO or even a VP of marketing, I think that's usually better. But if you're in a financial situation that it, it doesn't work out or you can't figure out a way to do that, then I would definitely say just start with the VA to take some tasks off your plate statistics, um, research polls, you know, hashtag research, whatever, all of that can definitely be outsourced very quickly. Mm -hmm. So if you were just to follow up, if you were, let's say 
you're a business owner and you decided to outsource to someone um, to help you and you weren't sure like what should I offload and you just want to kind of say here take the whole package here's everything take a look um, you mentioned there could be a lot of pitfall falls with that and the communication and giving them the right right tools for success to set them up for success what is it that that those people need to be successful what is it that you should think about you should be handing them that you can prepare in advance I think that it's your role as the owner to understand what it takes to run the business. So what that usually involves is just making a list of what are the things that you do daily, weekly, monthly, what are the goals of the business? How, what is that Venn diagram of things that come together to make those goals happen? Are you doing them? Are there places that you're not doing them? If there's gaps, who can solve that problem? If there's tasks that you do and like you just have this visceral feeling of I hate doing this every day, then that's an easy answer. Yeah. But the more you're able to see of like, here are the here are the money-making things. Those are the things I have to worry about. All of this other stuff that I'm still doing that isn't directly into making money, that can go to somebody else. And if you're not sure still, then I would definitely recommend talking to a professional, you know, like talk to a marketing agency and say, here are the goals that I have. Here are the tasks that I think, but what am I missing? And then talk to a couple different agencies, like get an idea of their recommendations. And even if you don't use them, you still have this understanding of like, okay, here's what I can expect. So if I'm not ready to sign on, a social media agency or a advertising agency or whatever, copywriting, whatever. I've talked to enough people that I have an understanding of what I should be looking for and what I want to do, what I don't want to do. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point to, to start those conversations earlier than later, even if, if you're not ready just yet. Um, I know that I personally, I had started chatting with a few marketing agencies to see, to get a better understanding of what they can offer me to help me in my business. And I ended up having, getting these recommendation plans of like, this is what I should be doing. And I wasn't doing it. And I was like, oh man, I've been missing out this whole time on doing this and this and that. So even if I wasn't ready to take up that agency, I mean, realizing that after the fact, um, you still get so much value out of just talking with them, getting what their recommendations are and next steps and putting together a timeline of a clearer timeline of when you would be ready is super valuable to have. Um, so again, yeah, just starting those conversations earlier than later, there's so much to learn out of them for sure. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't avoid those exploratory calls. I did that for so long because I was afraid they were just going to try and sell to me or they were going to, you know, try and talk me into something I wasn't comfortable with. And then I would just have too much anxiety about it. it it's really to your benefit to, talk to professionals in many fields just to get a full understanding. And if you're not ready to sign with them, that's fine. But don't avoid having the conversation out of fear of being disappointing or anxiety or whatever. Like these people also 
if you talk to them, you're going to get an understanding of their passion for it, which I feel is a huge reason to either sign with a company or not sign with someone. It's just, if they're just kind of going by the book and you don't feel enthusiastic about them and you don't have this connection, trust that, absolutely trust that. However, if they're excited, if they can't stop talking about it, if they're just like, they're making you excited about it, then take their advice and take it, you know, wholeheartedly. Even if you can't join them just yet, the people who are passionate about it will give you so much insight for free just because they love what they do. Now, I don't mean to say like, don't ever pay people. (laughs) Instead, find people who love what you need people to do and go after them. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, a good overall piece of advice just in general too is when you're looking for people to help you in your business and support you, just looking for people who have that same level of passion as you do that especially the ones that get you excited and you thought you were the one that was supposed to be getting them excited like that's a great add-on to your business snatch it up and take it (laughs) exactly (laughs) well megan um just wrapping things up if our audience wanted to reach out to you to learn more about how to uh, go about marketing for their business and and getting their businesses off the ground how would they find you how would they connect uh, you can head to my website, meganbrame.com. You can also go to dayonethebook.com. It's the book that I just launched about starting your first business. And you can download a free chapter that's all about the worst day I ever had in my business when I almost lost a 20,000 unit order and learn from my mistakes. But <laughs> you can go dayonethebook.com or you can hit me up at meganbrame.com. All of my social media links are there too. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Megan, for your time and sharing all your all your valuable insights on how to start a business and start a marketing journey on that. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute pleasure. Of course. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to download the next episode so you can listen to it on your next commute or trip. You can access more great insights and other goodies on our website at launchitspot.com. You can sign up for our newsletter there, which will notify you when we post the new goods. And of course, we always appreciate shares and likes by our listeners. Did you know that you can be featured on launch? We are always looking for interesting people who are striving to become better leaders, as well as subject matter experts in any of our content categories listed in our nav bar. Believe it or not, your story can inspire so many people. All you have to do is quickly apply on our website and we'll be in touch. Now, how are you going to lead the world?